0: This is Mount Pleasant United Methodist Church. Welcome to our sermon podcast. It's such a pretty day out here today. I couldn't imagine doing worship any other way than just kind of coming out here to a special spot. I wonder if you've noticed over the last several weeks that we have been in isolation, um, that The worship services are beginning to kind of evolve. They're kind of beginning to change. Early on, we kind of tried to the best that we could to reproduce what was happening in the sanctuary, and so we did that in front of the television and we tried to orchestrate that. But as time goes on, um, things are changing. Uh, We're kind of getting a new perspective. And for the last several weeks, I've been trying different locations, trying to bring out the, the different aspects of worship by coming out here. Into, into the outdoors um, to meet you where you are. It also kind of gives us a, a fresh perspective. I, when I found this spot up here, and, and I think many of you know, probably know where I am, I found that this was, this was gonna be the perfect spot, right? I mean, it's just kind of quiet, it's secluded, it's off by itself. And it also allows you to, to see the church in the background. And I wanted to do that because I, I'm hoping that in, in these weeks that we're apart, that you're kind of getting a fresh perspective on what it means to be the church and especially what it means to be Mount Pleasant. The church on the hill, um, that's the way it was first described to me when people came and said, well, what is Mount Pleasant? they say, oh, it's the church on the hill. It was about the geography. So if it were like six months ago and somebody were to ask you, what, is, what does church mean to you? And somebody were to say, well, that's where I go on Sunday. Well, you can't do that anymore. What does it mean to you now? Or maybe you'd say, oh, it's the people that I gather with. Well, we, we can't gather in one location, so what does that mean to you? In the same way, maybe you're saying, but that's where my membership is. Well, people came to Jesus, and they were saying, we're children of Abraham. And Jesus said, don't tell me that you're children of Abraham. God can raise up these stones. For children of Abraham. God can raise up stones to be members of a church. What does it mean to you to be a church? And so this time, this separation allows you to get a fresh perspective, but not just on the church, just not what it means to be Christian in this environment, but what does it mean to be a disciple? What does it mean to be you? Several people have often wondered like, you know, where are you going to be this Sunday? It's almost like, where's Waldo, you know, what are we going to do? And so today I wanted to take this special time, the, the sun is rising, it's a beautiful day, the beginning of, of something really special. And I imagine that we can do a couple of things. We can look at all the things that we don't have, things that we wish we did have, as well as look at the things that we do have, the people that are gathered with you today, the, the worship service that we have the people that support us and care for us and watch over us, the opportunities that you have. Um, and we can celebrate all of that. And so this morning, I'm kind of in my happy place. It's kind of quiet up here. Um, the sun is rising, it's kind of burning the fog off. I don't know if you can see that in the background. But it allows us the opportunity to think about what are our next steps? Where do we go from here? Where do you go from here? You know. At the beginning of the service, I said, life is full of change. Some of it we expect and some that we don't. Uh, Change, whether it's something you're looking forward to or not, often brings with it a great amount of stress because we can't see into the future. We don't know what's coming. But is there a way that we can prepare for the unknown? Is there a way that we can begin to, to take steps so that whatever happens in the future we will create a better a better possibility for you and, and for your family? Well, I believe that there is. I believe that there is more that you can do. And today we're going to take a look at a passage from uh, the book of James. I, I love the book of James for, an, for a number of reasons. First of all, the, the letter of James is, is filled with practical information, practical ways of living the Christian life. The other thing is, is it's the book of James. James was Jesus' brother, and if you remember your gospel lessons, um, Mary and his brothers came to claim Jesus at one point. They thought he was crazy. They thought he was nuts. And they were kind of coming to get him, to take him home. And Jesus said, but who are my mother and my brothers and my sisters but those that do the will of my Father in heaven? And so James eventually is one that's, you know, not really sure what his brother is up to, but at the end, becomes one of the great leaders of the uh, Jerusalem church. Now, have you ever tried to impress your brothers and sisters? It's really hard, you know? They, They know all of the secrets. They know all of your faults and foibles. They know all of the problems that you get into. They know all of your mistakes. And so to impress James, Uh, to see Jesus, his brother, as Lord and Savior, is a huge step. And so when we look at the book of James, we're looking at Jesus' brother who knows him so well and still believes in all that he had to say and do. And so James gives us some insight. How can we prepare for what comes tomorrow when we don't know what comes tomorrow? How can we give the best start as to where we're going? You see, everybody is going somewhere. Everybody, every one of us is taking a series of next steps. We're taking that, we're looking to the future. Every time you get a promotion at work, you think about what comes next. Every time we go through graduation, it's so that we can move on to what's next. Every time we get into a relationship, the relationship is growing and it's evolving. And so we're often filled with what are the next steps. Next steps leads to transition, Next steps leads to change, and that change leads to stress. All transitions lead us into the future, and yet how we handle that transition, that change, is what counts. And so the question that we're looking for today is, are there things that we can do now as followers of Jesus that will help us to prepare for the unknown? Now, there's a couple of things that, as we look at this passage, there's a couple of things that work against us couple of things that we think that are happening that aren't really happening. The first one is, is wherever you go, whatever you do into the future, you take you with you. Now I know that that sounds very obvious, but for many people it's not. The same beliefs, the same values, the same hesitancy, the same doubts that you have today, you will take with you into the future unless you decide to change. See, many people feel that if I make this change, if, if I get my life together, once I graduate, once I move into the future, life will be so much better. If, if everything would just work out, then things will get better. It's not about the circumstances. It's about the beliefs that are inside of you. We often make promises to ourselves. We make plans. But plans and promises don't match up at all to preparation. To taking the necessary steps that you need to have. How many of you remember that song by Desperado by the Eagles? You're still the same old girl you used to be. Despite all of the changes, you're still the same old girl. Wherever you go, there you are. And so, we trick ourselves into thinking that whatever comes next, whatever big thing that we can get involved with, that will fix you. That will make you happy that will satisfy that deeper longing that's within you. The second thing that I, I want you to realize is that there is no direct correlation between knowing what's next and being prepared for what's next. Just because you know the different stages, it does not, it does not even compare with taking the necessary steps to prepare for what's coming next, the, the habits and the behaviors that come next. And so James in chapter 1, we're going to look at the book of James in chapter 1, verse 25. James says, Now if you do what I'm going to tell you to do, you will be blessed in whatever you do. Now think about that. Would you want that for your children, for your grandchildren, for your spouse, for your friends and neighbors? Listen, whatever you do, if you do it consistently... You will be blessed in whatever you do. Now he's gonna lay out some of the things that you need to be doing, some of the things that you need to look for. Now when he talks about blessed, he's not talking about you're gonna be rich and famous and you're automatically gonna be beautiful, you're gonna be the smartest person in the room. He means you're gonna be content, you're gonna be satisfied with your life. You're gonna be satisfied with the journey that you're on despite the uncertainty of the times in which we live you'll be at peace with yourself. It's what they call a non-anxious presence. You'll enjoy the beauty of the day. I don't know what today brings. So let's enjoy the moment that we have. Let's be blessed in whatever comes our way. As we live our lives, as we continue to be blessed, we recognize that what God considers blessed, a full and abundant life, is often different than what we consider to be blessed. Blessed here does not mean that little vial in Harry Potter, that Felix Felicia, you know liquid luck it isn 't about having everything that you want it 's about having a spirit that is that is unflappable that that is calm and, and, and peaceful with itself and with others and so what is it that James is inviting us to do? What is James? want us to know about ourselves and about our future. In verse 22, going back to chapter one, verse 22, he said, now listen to me. He said, do not merely listen to the words and so deceive yourself. One of the great tragedies that we often have in in church life are people that show up every Sunday and, and they hear the words, but they make no change in their life. James goes on to say it's it, just because you show up in the room doesn't mean you're more spiritual. just because you gather on Sunday morning and said but i I'm showing up, it must mean that I'm getting better, not at all. Or sometimes what people will do is if this is where we get into fire and brimstone preaching, if I feel really bad about myself, if I'm really convicted of my sin, if I really feel bad if i if if there's a hard sermon about tithing and giving and serving and I feel really bad about myself, that must mean I'm getting spiritual, right? Not at all. But sometimes people feel that if, if we rain down fire and brimstone and we talk about hell, fire and damnation, well, we must be doing well. Not at all. Sometimes all of that just kind of clouds the idea that what James is saying is, don't just hear those words, put them into practice. As a matter of fact, Francis Chan tells a wonderful story about his daughter. He said one time his daughter was walking through the living room, and he called out to her and he said, hey, daughter, uh, go up and clean your room. And so she looked at him and, and she walked away. About an hour later, she came down and she said, Dad, uh, you'll be so proud of me. I, I've memorized the verse that you gave me. Oh thou daughter of mine, go clean holy thy room of thy dwelling. She said, I, I learned what you told me. I memorized it. And she said, now I'm, I'm beginning to look up in Greek what, it, what room means. What, what does it mean in Greek or Hebrew to be fully clean? And she said, you'll be happy to know that my friends are gonna come over at least once a week and we're gonna study that passage of what does it mean to clean your room? And he kind of scratched his head and he said, all I wanted you to do is go do it. She, this is an illustration that obviously he's telling about sometimes what Jesus really wanted us to do is not be hearers of the word, not memorize passages of scripture, but to actually go do it. And so James here said, listen, as often as you hear the word, if that's all that you do, you will think that you're really smart. You think that you've got it all together. You think that you're a good disciple. He said, but you deceive yourself. You're blind. You don't see what's really happening. As a matter of fact, he goes on to tell a wonderful story And this is how you can tell that he's one of Jesus' disciples. He had a mirror. He said, this is what it's like. He said, it's like people that have a mirror. And what they do is they look in that mirror and they see themselves. And as soon as the mirror is gone, they forget and they don't do anything. Now, what's the point of a mirror? A mirror tells the truth. A mirror can't lie to you. A mirror says, this is exactly what you look like at this moment in time, physically. And I'd be willing to bet every one of you spends time in the mirror every day. You look at yourself. Uh, What's my hair look like? Ladies look at their makeup. Sometimes you look and say, did I get my buttons right? What's my tie look like, is it okay? We look at ourselves to try and get a self image. Is this the way I want to present myself? And if it's not, you stay looking in the mirror until it's fixed. Have you ever looked in the mirror after eating a meal and, and maybe you have that green stuff, some salad in your teeth, and you go, oh, good heavens, I've got to get rid of that. I don't want to go out in public looking like that. You will stay in front of the mirror until whatever you see is fixed and remedied. And so what James is saying is, don't just hear the word. Don't just hear about words like compassion, gratitude, generosity, caring, gentleness, kindness, forgiveness. He said, just don't hear them. Don't look at the mirror and see yourself. Do what it says. Take care of your outward appearance as well as you take care of the inward appearance. I love that illustration. You will stay in front of the mirror as long as it takes to fix whatever it is that you see. Dear friends, behind me, you see the church. The church is your mirror. It is the body of Christ. It allows you to see yourself as you truly are. Not so that you can feel bad about yourself, not so that you can condemn yourself, but so that you can be your better self. I love this quote that I've always remembered from St. Augustine. Augustine was a bishop in the third century of of northern Africa. And Augustine had a huge impact on on the development of the early church. St. Augustine once said, And now, with God's help, I shall become myself. He recognized that he was in the process of becoming all that God created him to be. He recognized that he was struggling, that in this world of sin, it is so easy to be deceived, to think I'm doing a lot better than I thought I was doing. And so he comes to this understanding that now with God's help, I will become myself. How are you using the mirror of the church, of scripture, of your small group, of your discipling group, to fix what you see in the mirror? Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's stress, maybe it's this sense of not feeling good about yourself, about a little bit of self-loathing. Maybe the church can help you fix that. So how does, Paul, how does James help us understand the habits that are necessary to not just be deceived but to actually grow to experience all that God has? He tells us a couple of things. He says in this passage, and I'm I'm reading this morning from James chapter 1, verses 22 through 25. James says, listen, friends, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. And anyone who does, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks in the face of a mirror. And then after looking at himself or herself, goes away and immediately forgets what they, they look like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that tells the truth, and continues in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, friends, they will be blessed in whatever they do. Okay, so so what's James telling us? What, What can we give you right now? that will change your, your whole life, help you get on a completely different path than the one that you've been on. If you wanna make changes, if you've seen in your life, there's some things that are out of place, there's some hair that needs fixed, there's some things that I need to, to fix about my outer persona. James tells us, he said, the first thing, what's the first habit? One, look intently, not superficially, go beneath the surface. We all love that wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound That Saved a Wretch Like Me. That's true. You are saved by grace, not because of what you've done, but by who Jesus is. And yet Jesus is calling you to something more. He's calling you to a deeper life. You need to go deeper. You need to be more intentional about your discipleship. So here's the thing, friends. Tell me. How's your discipleship? How's your Bible study time? Are you going deeper? How many of you realize that during this time of isolation, we still have Bible studies that are going on? We have a Bible study every day? There was a Bible study that met online before this worship service. You could be a part of that. I bet they'd help you go deeper. I bet they'd help shine a light on some things that need changed. Some things you already know need changed. They ask the question, who am I really? Who does God say that I am? How does God see me through his perfect law? How many of you know the the laws, the three laws of of generosity found in the Bible? There's, There's the golden rule. Most of us know the golden rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Many of us know that and we think about that and we practice that. There's the diamond rule. Did you know about that one? Love your neighbor as they, would lo- as they want to be loved. So often we love people to what, what we expect that they want or we want for them. And sometimes we have to love people for who they are. We have to love them and care for them based on what their needs are, not what our needs are. But the ultimate is the platinum rule, the Jesus rule. Jesus said, love your neighbor as I have loved you, sacrificially, generously. And so our mission as a church family is simply to imitate Jesus, sacrificially. That's what I mean by going deeper, being more intentional about following Jesus. Not just on Sunday morning, not just about showing up or putting in your time in worship, but about living it out every day. How have I lived like Jesus today? How have I failed and and need to see myself differently? Where have I succeeded and where am I growing? We see that sometimes we need to get below the surface. Think about how it affects your life of generosity. Jesus tells us the three stages of generosity. We need to to be generous, we need to give, we need to save, and then we need to live. You need to have those three buckets when it comes to your financial health. And yet that's often counterintuitive. Right? We want to live on all that we have. Whatever's left over, we want to save. And if we're having a particularly good month, then we'll give it to God. And yet Jesus said, if you flip that around, you will be blessed in ways that you can't even imagine. You'll have financial freedom. Your finances will no longer control you or have dominion over you. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's about reclaiming your heart, about knowing who you really are. And so whoever looks intently into this perfect law will have freedom. The first thing that we need to be is intentional about going deeper. The second thing that we need to be focused on is he says, you have to do it consistently, not just once a week, not just once a month or once a year. We need to be consistently looking into the mirror. You look into the mirror every day. Some of us look into the mirror many times during the day because our outer appearance, we're so conscious of how people perceive us. And so this morning, I want to ask you about, are you consistently looking at your soul? How is it with your soul today? When was the last time anybody asked you how your soul was and you were able to wrestle and understand the needs and the hungers how parched and thirsty your soul is. He said, ask yourself, is life full of change? Are you consistently pursuing and looking at yourself and evaluating and growing, or do you just take what comes, what may? Life is full of changes, and with those changes comes stress. The question is is whether we have a plan to deal with that stress, that anxiety, that uncertainty. Right now, we're in the midst of perhaps one of the greatest social experiments in my lifetime to see how people will respond to faith, to social conditions, to their own anxieties and their own fears. How will you respond? How are you responding? James says if you look intently into the law and you do it consistently and you have a plan. And a promise, but then you begin to prepare on a weekly basis. You will be blessed. So the question is, is, am I only a hearer and so deceived? Or am I a doer and therefore a disciple? See, here's the problem. Most of us recognize that there are people in our lives that are only hearers. We look at their lives and we see the disaster that's coming. And I think some of the greatest problems that I've ever had in my life Or when I saw the warning signs, but didn't take any action. I was a hearer and not a doer. And I wonder if you've had the same issues in your own life. You you saw and heard the warning signs. And there's nothing that breaks the heart of a parent or a grandparent, a friend or a neighbor. When they see a friend that is going down a path that's going to lead to destruction. Maybe maybe we're not just talking about eternity, but we're talking about financial relationships, career, family, but they're only hearers and they're not doers. They're, they're deceived. They think that they've got it all together and the warning signs go up, but they're not responding. See, the bottom line is, is if you're not making those changes now, you're not gonna make them later. If you think circumstances in the future are gonna change your life, they won't because wherever you go, there you are. The same faults, the same laziness, the same deception that is affecting you now will affect you then. And what James is saying is, don't just hear what Jesus is saying. Don't just hear what the church offers. Be doers of the word as well. He tells you that parable. Jesus gives us that familiar parable. Remember in in Matthew chapter 4, he said, this is what it's like. He said, it's like a, a wise man. Who, who heard the words that knew the landscape, knew where he lived. And so what he did is he went out and he built his life on solid ground because he knew the floodwaters were going to come someday. He knew where the floodplain was. He knew how the world worked. And so he took steps. He took proactive steps to build his house. And the floods came, the disasters came, the isolation came, the loneliness came criticism came, the financial stress came, but he was okay because his life was on solid ground. He said, but whatever you do, don't be like the fool that does whatever is easy. He just built right on the sand. He just just built it over here. Just take what easy. Don't worry about the foundation. Just build it up. How about we save a couple of bucks? We don't even put in a foundation. I can build bigger and better if I ignore that. He said, Don't be like that, because floods will come. You know that, and I know that. Don't just hear these words and be deceived, but be doers. Get in the practical habit of changing your life. So here's the questions that I want to leave you with this morning. What are you doing now that you know that you shouldn't be doing, but you tell yourself that you're gonna stop later on? What are those habits that you know that you're doing now that are harming you, harming your family? Maybe it's your isolation and maybe it's your laziness. What are the things that you're doing now that you wish you wouldn't do? Maybe you need to look in the mirror. On the flip side, what are those things that you are not doing now that you wanna start doing? And you say, someday when I get my life together, one one day when I get a good job, one day when things settle down, one day when the house is finished and the, the kids are grown, then I'm going to... What are those things that you're not doing now that you know that you should do? What are those things that your life is just waiting to come tumbling down? Some disaster is just looming out there. Your friends can see it. They can see that outer appearance. They, they can see it. You've looked in the mirror. You know that you have that, that lettuce in your teeth, but now you've forgotten about it. Everybody else can see what's happening. You say, maybe I should, and, and I know that someday I will, but not now. Maybe later. James says, you, you've deceived yourself. Don't be just a hearer. Be a doer as well. What do you need to be doing right now to be blessed? Are you being blessed or are you being miserable? What are the differences that you have to make? Friends, at the end of this message, we've created a tool that will help you assess where you are. It's ten simple questions that will allow you to just take a look and say, where am I deceiving myself? It's All it is is a mirror for your benefit. It's for you. It's not for us. The church that you see behind you, it's still standing there. It's a mirror. It's there to help you. It's there to help your family. It's there to tell you the truth about the life that you live and the future that lies ahead of you. Friends, I encourage you to continue to grow. At the bottom of this message, at the end, you're going to see a link that's going to help you get connected to a small group. The small group is there to help reflect and help the best you come into being. You see, we believe as a church that being with Jesus makes us better people. It doesn't make us richer or smarter or prettier. It makes us kinder gentler, more loving, more generous, more caring, more forgiving. These are the values that define Mount Pleasant. So if you were to ask me, what is Mount Pleasant? Is it a church on the hill? Not really. Is it the big columns and the tall spire? No, not really. It's anyone who's following Jesus in order to be kinder, gentler, more loving, more caring, more forgiving. If if that's where you are across the spectrum of this technology, whether you're across the United States or around the world, then you too are a member of Mount Pleasant. I remember years ago a friend told me a story. It was a snowy day and all the churches in the area had closed because it was a snowy day. And nobody could get to church. The the snow was deep. And here this old pastor was trudging through the snow to get to church. And one of the neighbors opened up the door. He said, Pastor, where are you going? He said, we're having church today. And he was making fun of him. He said, Pastor, how many people do you think are going to be in church today? And he said, millions. Today, there will be worshiping with us millions, if not billions of people giving, giving honor and praise and glory to God the Father around the globe. And so, friends, if you've committed your life to Christ, if you feel that you're, con- you're in search of, of a life filled with grace and hope, of generosity, of service, of love and gentleness, then you're already a member at Mount Pleasant. I hope that you'll get in touch with us. Let us know how this is affecting your life, where you're growing, where you're struggling, where you're stagnant, where you're stalled or where you're stuck. Let us help you so that you can help others and that in the process, we can change the world. That's my hope and that's my vision for who we are as a church. Well, friends, we've come to the end of our time together. I pray that in our time that you felt that God is calling you to get out of your comfort zone and try something new. I'm up here in my happy place, and I'll probably stay here for a little while and pray for you. Pray for the church, pray for our witness, and pray for an uncertain future. But above all, I'll pray that I can see clearly who I am in God's eyes. Until we meet again, God bless you.